I've chosen for uh, the text this morning just one verse. But if you think you're getting off lightly, think again. Because there's so much wrapped up in this. But if you'd like uh, to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I'll read that again. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words of that song that we've just sung, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You will never change. You can be wholly and utterly depended upon. You are our God. Lord, we just ask now as we uh, come to look at your word that you would uh, enlighten it to us. Lord, it's your living word and uh, through your spirit you bring it alive. So help us to understand what you're saying through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good news for insomniacs. It's only three more sleeps till Christmas. I wonder if you are counting down for Christmas uh, like I am. I get really excited about Christmas. There's just something about the time of year, isn't there, that uh, just raises that level of, uh, of hope in people. What do you like about Christmas and why? Are you looking forward to your presents? Do you know what you're going to get? Who's going to be brave enough to uh, say what they're expecting and hoping for for Christmas? Anybody? Yep. A diamond ring. Oh. That is some hope. I bet, I bet nobody can top that one. But there is something about it, certainly amongst kids, aren't there? They just uh, long to uh, um, uh, look forward to what they're going to get. And for many, it is a time of real hope, isn't it? Uh, you know, look at some of the words of our carols. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And I wonder when you see that word hope, what you understand by it. Because in the English language, the word hope is, is actually kind of quite weak, isn't it? It's like, uh, um, oh, I hope you feel better soon, or uh, I hope the weather's going to be good today. There's, there's not really a kind of expectation, is there, that uh, um, something's going to uh, uh, really happen. It's just a, a nice thing to say. For me, I hope I don't get another pair of socks for Christmas this year. But the word hope in the Bible is used in a very, very different context. And we're going to have a look at that today. I'm going to um, be referring to a number of uh, um, Bible passages, and I'm going to share with you three mathematical formulae. So brace yourself for that. We're going to wrestle with what God has to say about hope. Hal Lindsay, the uh, author and evangelist, said this, Man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. Hope seems to be, certainly in the context of the Bible, a matter of life and death. 
If you are without hope, you give up. Without anything to look forward to and aspire, life becomes meaningless. We all have to put our hope in something. I wonder, what do you put your hope in? I guess you'd know the right answer to this, but honestly, what do you put your hope in? What, as it were, do you stand the ladder of your life against? You see, there's many uh, kind of good things that we have in life, aren't there? You know, for the most part, the education we get in this country is pretty good. For the most part, our health service is pretty good. For the most part, employment opportunities are not bad. For the most part, our legal system is pretty good. And for the most part, we have a good welfare system. There is plenty to kind of support us in life. And I guess you could be excused for putting your hope in things like that. And most people do. And you know, all that stuff's not bad. God's not against that stuff. But he does say, don't put your hope, don't put your trust in just those things. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. The words of the hymn go, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Yet despite what the Bible might say about hope, there's uh, lots of people that uh, don't put their trust in God. And I wonder what the result is. Anxiety and depression and a feeling of hopelessness, I don't know if you know this, but is the most common mental disorder in the UK now. One in 11 people in the UK, take antidepressant drugs regularly because they feel like they have no hope, nothing to live for. 20% of the days lost uh, from people taking time off sick are because of depression. We live in a country that seems, in many ways, to have lost hope. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's even a day in the year called Blue Monday. You come across this? It's the uh, apparently the third Monday in, uh, uh, in the new year, third Monday in January, and it's the day when people are most depressed. And mathematical formula number one. Somebody has put together a mathematical formula to work out when the most depressing day of the year is. And it is dependent on what the weather's like, what your income compared to your debt is, how long it's been since Christmas, how long it's been since you uh, failed in your New Year's resolution, how low your motivational values levels are, and how much do you feel the need to take action. And... 
people have worked out that that third Monday in the year is when you're most likely to uh, have run up a debt. You're most likely to have discarded the presents and got over, over all that kind of rush and Christmas has actually turned out to be quite a disappointment. And you've given up your uh, um, New Year's resolutions. So watch out for the third Monday in January. I wonder if you look at this through God's eyes though, right? Forget the weather for a minute. But when you look at that big D minus little d, the difference between debt and your income, in God's eyes, if you put your trust in him, he says, I've wiped all your debts out. I paid for it all in what Jesus did on the cross. If you look at the time since Christmas, for those who put their hope and trust in God, actually the further away from Christmas you are, the nearer you are to Jesus' second coming. Wow! More hopeful. The time since our failings in our New Year's resolution. God says, I don't count your failings against you anymore. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect, God says. So if you turn that through God's eyes... Actually, if you put your trust and your hope in him, there is no need to have a Blue Monday. But that NA, the feeling of a need to take action, that doesn't disappear. Jesus says, you need to take action. If you want to have that hope, to put your trust in him, you have to take action. In our text today, we read, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of of what we do not see. I wonder what you think about the words of that. And when the um, early disciples will have read that, what they must have thought... I'm kind of an analytical guy. I I, I like to uh, make sense of things and, and work things through in detail. And when I see what was made, or sorry, what is seen is not made out of what is visible, I think that's rather strange. What we see is made out of invisible things. How bizarre. How can that possibly be? But you know, as we've got kind of uh, more and more understanding of the uh, world around us, the universe around us, what have we found? What are things made of? Atoms, electrons, things we can't see. So the things we see are made out of things that are invisible. Isn't God's word incredible that at these times, before men had any insight into those kind of things, we get an insight into it. But it's even more bizarre because the more we look deep into the structure of the universe, the less we understand, really, about what's going on. Brace yourself for the second mathematical equation. Anybody know what that is? Come on, you uh, sixth-form physics scholars. Any... uh, Any idea? Well, it's a representation of what's called Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. 
Look it up later. Fascinating reading. But basically what it says is that when you get down to minute particle levels, you become less and less certain about what's going on. You can tell maybe the position of a particle, but if you know precisely the position, you don't know its momentum or its speed. If you know its speed, you can't tell exactly where it is. You can't know everything about a particle. You can only know a bit about it. Everything else is uncertain. First of all, I think God is a fantastic mathematician. When you look at the world and the universe around us, you can't but believe that God just is incredible. You know, if the world was just a little bit further away from the sun or a little bit nearer than the sun, it wouldn't support life. If we didn't have the moon and the tides that we have, then all our oceans would just be uh, um, kind of a a mess, wouldn't get cleaned up. They'd just turn stagnant. It would be horrible. If we didn't have just the right level of oxygen to support life, um, either we'd all die out or the atmosphere would be an explosive mess. God knows exactly what he's doing. And when you look at some of the equations that uh, describe uh, the universe, they are just so beautiful in the way that they're constructed. God is a wonderful mathematician. But when I look at Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, I see God's got a sense of humor as well. Because for all that we can know, he puts this level of uncertainty in there that we can never know enough that we can wholly put our trust in ourselves alone. Do you get my point? God continually wants his creation to point back to him that we must put our trust solely in him. Now, is there anything certain in life? Well, attributed to various people, either Benjamin Franklin or uh, uh, Mark Twain, Uh, The only certain things in this world are death and taxes. Well, I've certainly experienced one of those, and uh, I'm expecting, um, unless uh, the Lord returns again, to experience the other. And, uh, you know, there's uh, only a, a, a couple of people in the history of the world that have been able to cheat death, and only done that with God's explicit permission and power. So, unfortunately, we live in a world where things decay. We live in a world that we can expect to get weaker, get tireder, get a bit more wrinkly, have to wear glasses from time to time. We get old. Hebrews 1.11, not the same verse that I read, but not 11.1, but 1.11, says, they, that's all of creation, will perish But you, God, remain. They, creation, the world, and heavens, will wear out like a garment. Brace yourself for equation number three. Anybody know what that represents? (laughs) It's not bad. Modern day interpretation of what is the uh, second law of thermodynamics which uh, essentially means that no processes are completely reversible. Everything demands energy and work. And the more you do, the more things kind of wear out. So it's because of 
the second law of thermodynamics and this uh, funny thing called entropy, that a nice house that you start with starts to decay. I know this because I'm busy decorating uh, our, uh, our dining room at the moment. And, you know, I'm sure that 10 years ago I decorated it and it was beautiful. And, you know, there wasn't a mark on it. And uh, what happened? You know, now all the paint's peeled and there's, there's dents in the wall and I've got to do it all again. You know, the world is kind of wearing out and it winds down. And for the mathematicians amongst you, there's a little sign in there. You see that like, like arrow thing? Um, that means it's not equal to. Right? And it, it's greater than, yeah, well done, fantastic. <laughs> so, and it means the kind of work you have to put in is greater than really what, what you get out. And simplistically, it means if you want a pile of bricks, you've got to put effort into it. The natural order of things is that things will decay just to a pile of bricks. You know, if you have an explosion, you don't expect something neat to uh, arise out of it. You've got to put effort into it. And you know, that little greater than sign is a very interesting thing. Because I believe, and this is just a John Hall view on life, right? So uh, um, I will give you a a scripture, hopefully, to, to back it up. I believe that when God created the heavens and the earth, originally that was an equal sign. Because when God created Adam and Eve, he created them to be eternal beings, not to wear out. Right? The, the world was created as a great place. God said that it was good. It wasn't uh, there subject to the ravages of, uh, uh, of time. But then man disobeyed. And if we read in Genesis 3.17, God says, and note the words, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil and work, you will eat of it. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat food. And to dust, you will return. I think at that point, when man disobeyed God, God turned that equal sign into a greater than sign. That said, now... The world is going to wear out. There's going to be this thing called entropy and disorder come into the world. The verse I read previously, I said, creation will perish, but God remains. God's not subject to this second law of thermodynamics. And he says to us, don't cling on to the things of the world, because the things of the world will wear out. Because we know that it says in Romans 8, the creation is subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In the hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. One day, God is going to fix all that decay stuff. But still, we cling on to it, don't we? I don't know if you read the story recently about the girl who, in her will, wanted to be cryogenically frozen in the hope that one day science would find an answer to the terminal illness that she was suffering. Do you know what? This made me weep. That a girl could cling on to the things 
of this world in the vain hope that one day she would be cured. When right before her is the promise of Jesus that says, you can have eternal life now. You just have to ask for it. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're to be pitied more than all men. Our hope in Christ is not for this world. It's not to kind of sustain this body and survive in, in kind of the mess that we're in. Our hope is an eternal hope. Forget being frozen and then, you know, brought back, if that were possible. Jesus says, trust in me and you can have life everlasting. So what is hope? I've got four verses here that, for me, I think sums up what hope is, what true hope is. First of all, Titus 1-2, it's the promise of eternal life. Secondly, 1 Thessalonians 5-8, it's the hope of our salvation through Christ. You can look these up later. I don't have time really to go through them. Thirdly, in Romans 8, a slightly different verse from what we read before, it's our future destiny as children of God. And then 1 Peter 1, 3, 6. I will just read this one. He has given us new birth into a living hope and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Wow. It's a living hope. It's an inheritance. It's the guarantee signed by God himself that can never wear out. Wow, what a hope. What a hope. When Jesus began his ministry, he stood up in the temple and read from the prophet Isaiah. And he said these words, The Lord has anointed me, a few other bits, but he anointed Jesus to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. Do you know, I think this world is wrapped in a garment of despair at the moment. I think there are lots of people wrestling with where is hope in this world. You know, I don't know, and I'm not going to make any political comment, but there's been a, a few political shocks of late, haven't there? Um, with Brexit and with uh, um, the, the US elections. Um, and some people rejoice over the outcomes of those, and some people are really despairing. You know, I, I watched some of the uh, um, television commentary, and there were people literally in tears over... They thought, this is it. The world is ending. There is no hope anymore. What is happening? And when you look back at those figures around depression and uh, the drugs that people are taking, I honestly believe there's kind of a spiritual oppression over the world. And, and, you know, Jesus says this, right? Read what it says. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You know, the God of this age has blinded people to the truth. And if you think um, that this world is God's world, it is, 
but temporarily it's dominated by, uh, by the evil one. And it's that that's really, I think, bringing this kind of spirit of despair. But if we hope in Jesus, we need not despair. He gives us a garment of praise. Fantastic news. I'd not come across this guy before, but um, I don't know where he stands in his relationship with God. But the words that he said, he's a, a Czech writer and um, politician, um, might have even been president at some time, I think. But he said these words, hope is not the same as optimism. It's not, yeah, I hope the weather's going to be good. I hope uh, um, you get better soon. It's not the conviction of something that'll turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. And I think there's a real element of truth there. You know, whilst I talk about hope, hope in this world, there is no guarantee if we trust in God that everything is going to be roses for us. No, no guarantee at all. But what is guaranteed is our eternal inheritance in him. So when we talk about faith and hope and certainty, we have to put that in the context of, um, of that eternal hope. Going back to our text, the Christian hope is that the assurance of things hoped for and the, thing, the conviction of things not seen. It's that hope in the future. So later in Hebrews, we see this verse. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, we can look at all the things of the world. We can put our hope in all kinds of things, like our jobs, like money, like politicians, like lawyers. But God says, fix your eyes on Jesus because he's the author. He put it all together in the first place and he will be the perfecter of that when he comes again for the second time and he wraps it all up. I want to wrap up with a, uh, a story about the missionary Hudson Taylor who, uh, when he first went to China, was on a sailing boat and uh, as they were sailing quite close to an island that they knew to be inhabited by cannibals, um, they were becalmed. No wind. And gradually the boat was drifting closer and closer to this island inhabited by cannibals. And uh, you could almost hear the, the drums beating and the fires getting stoked up, uh, the cannibals waiting for a, a nice tasty meal of missionaries. And the captain said to Hudson Taylor that perhaps he ought to start praying um, for a, a bit of wind and pray for help of, uh, the help of God. And Hudson Taylor responded, provided you put up your sails, I will pray. And the captain said, don't be ridiculous. I'm going to be ridiculed. There's no wind. Why would I put my sails up? And Hudson Taylor said, no, unless you put the sails up, I'm not going to pray. So eventually, the captain put his sails up, and Hudson Taylor went down into his cabin to pray. A few minutes later, there was a knock on the door, and the captain came and said, uh, Mr. Taylor, are you still praying? And uh, he said, yes. He said, well, you better stop. 
because we've got more wind than we can handle now. You know, when we put our trust in that which is unseen, when we put our trust in Almighty God who sees above all the despair and uh, decay that there is in the world, then we put our trust and our hope in somebody that can really be trusted in, who will never let us down, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you give us hope. I thank you for Christmas time when we think on the hope that we have in the birth of Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that we can look ahead to the hope that we have when Jesus will come again, when he will wrap up this, uh, uh, this present world. We'll see a new heaven and a new earth perfectly restored in you. Thank you, Lord, for that hope. Lord, would we put our trust and our hope in you. Help us to put aside those other things and fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen.